Morning, brothers and sisters. Good to see you after about six weeks or so. <laughs> time, time is flying, and because of this renovation, we have not seen. We had to cancel, as you remember, two Sabbath services, and uh, we are so glad that we can see you again. And this is a beautiful sunny day. It's a blessing of God. I think this is a sure sign of His goodness. And his forgiveness. And as you know, today we have a communion service, and this is going to be an unusual, uh, for, in an unusual form because we cannot have food washing because of the renovation. But I want to thank you so much to Paul for his, his untiring effort. Because he's been coming day after day and he's doing his job and he's discovering new discrepancies and he's solving another <laughs> thing is coming up. And I know this is, it always happens when the house is getting old. And this, this building was built in the fifties, I believe. So it's really time to, to do some remodeling and, uh, re, changing some of the pipes and the, and the wiring, the sewers and so on, uh, update the bathrooms and hopefully the kitchen and the dining area. So we'll be a very inviting church, I hope. But of course, it all depends on us as persons because people are not really looking at the wall, all the walls and the colors, but the people who are inviting or who are Receiving them. So this is, this is our pleasure to spend this Sabbath with you. And before I open the word of God, I'd like to invite my lovely wife, Martha, to come up and recite the poem. 
And at the same time, I want to thank you for the music, for the singing we just had. I wish we had that every Sabbath. I hope the time will come. Good morning and happy Sabbath to all of you. I wanted to thank the music, but my husband did it before me. Uh, you should sing more together. That was lovely. That was really lovely. The poem that I'm going to recite today, it's about God's mercy. There is a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There is a kindness in his justice which is more than liberty. There is welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in his blood. For the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind. And the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Amen. Thank you, Marta. That was a beautiful poem again. And we appreciate your readiness to recite the poem. I'd like to invite you to bow your heads for a short prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to come to your presence before we open your word. We know that your word is living and it is all-powerful. It will touch our hearts and minds and change us. And we ask for the changing experience today. Please open our minds. Help us to see the beauty of Scripture and also grasp the meaning, grasp the message. And Lord, we want to thank you for the blessings you have already prepared for this Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen. I gave a title to my sermon, The Last Chance. Last chance. What would you do if you knew that it is your last chance, last opportunity, day, or hour? What would you ask for or request? What if he was the last physician to turn to? The last surgeon, last dentist, heart specialist? What would you ask for? I believe if we knew that it had been or it has my last chance or our last chance, we would think it twice before doing or saying anything. And we are studying a well-known story this morning or almost afternoon from the Gospel of John. And I believe all four Gospels are very important, but I always go back to John, to be honest. <laughs> because John <clears throat> goes so deep that None of the other three do. So about a man who had his last chance. John chapter 5. I'm reading the first 15 verses. This is the long story, but we are focusing on a smaller part. But I want you to see the whole context. This is John 5 and beginning in verse 1 all the way to verse 15. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. As far as we know, there was probably the Feast of Trumpets. 
which was followed by the Day of Atonement and the Tabernacles. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, which means the house of mercy. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving or the stirring of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Think about 38 years. The average lifespan in the time of Jesus was 50 years. 50 years. This man has been sick for 38 years. And if he was 50 years old... It means that at the time he became an adult, at the age of 12, he became sick. And he's been sick uh, in most of his life, practically. 38 years, almost 40 years, four decades. So he had infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been In that condition, a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, Take up your bed. This was a simple, simple mattress or blanket. Um, and, uh, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And let's let's read one more verse, just for the sake of context. Verse 16. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. This is a very interesting, very unique story. It is only found in the Gospel of John, and this is why I like this story, and I like the Gospel of John, because there are unique stories, and this is one of them. There was a certain place close to the temple, close to the sheep gate, and we know that animals, especially sheep, were brought through that gate for the purpose of sacrificing them. 
And there was a double pool with colonnades, porches around and in between them, just to protect those sick people who were close to the water, hoping that it is their turn to be healed. And there was a tradition that an angel descended and touched the water, and when the water was stirred, they had a a belief that if someone steps in first, it doesn't matter what kind of sickness the person had. He was immediately healed. And try to imagine this man having been sick for 38 years. I think it's a long time. What do you think? To be sick. Do you like to be sick? Well, it's a stupid question. (laughs) Okay, because nobody likes to be sick. But from his point of view, the real question was, do you want to be healed? Do you still have hope? Do you still trust in God? Do you believe that there is a way out? And it might be your term this Sabbath. We don't know how many people were there. But reading Desire of Ages, it seems to me that there was a great multitude, different kinds of people. Some were stronger a little bit, some were weaker, some could walk, some needed help. Some of them may may have been crawling on the surface just to get there and then pull themselves, their whole body, they could not, they were crippled, could not walk. Some were quick, some were very slow. This man was very slow and he said, whenever I reach the point of touching the water or stepping in, there is always somebody who is faster than I am. It's a desperate situation. But the end of the story is interesting from the point of healing or forgiving. Because Jesus said something to this man. He said, see, you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So was it healing or was it forgiving or both? Can we say that every forgiving is healing and every healing is forgiving? Well, Jesus said it all depends on you. If you continue sinning, you will have a worse situation. So this is not simply a sickness that would go away, but it would come back based on his decision. And of course, Ellen White points out some interesting factors that are in between the lines. First of all, she is comparing the story to another story which is not found in in, in John, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about the paralytic. You know the story, we we studied the story some weeks ago about the paralytic who was unable to walk and he needed four friends to carry him. They could not get closer to Jesus, so they decided to go up to the top of the building and then open the roof and then they lowered this man to Jesus. And what was the real trouble? Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And so they were complaining, who is this man who can forgive sins? 
And then Jesus said something to them, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. The same power that would forgive sins would make this man whole. But in our case, in John 5, the situation was a little different because this man was all alone in a crowd among many sick people. He himself being sick, he was completely alone. Can you be alone in a crowd? Can you be alone in a church? Can you be alone in your own family? This man was completely alone because he told Jesus, I have nobody. I have no friends. There is nobody who would help me because this would be my last chance. I'm already 50 years old. I don't have much left. I've been sick for 38 years. I'm almost losing hope. Who would be able to help me? I have nobody. And then something interesting happened. Ellen White in Desire for Ages, page 202, says, A tender, compassionate face bent over him, over this man. Because he was laying on the ground, Jesus had to bend, a tender, compassionate face bent over him. So what practical lessons can we draw from this story, especially in view of a communion service? While healing or forgiving can never come late. Never come late. This man has been sick for 38 years. But the timing of his healing was in the hands of Jesus. Because he saw all of them. He looked around, he saw many, many different kind of sicknesses. And in his mind, he probably knew their whole life story. Because he told this man, go sin no more. Your situation could be worse. He knew his whole life story. Do you believe that Jesus knows you? Knows your whole life story, including your sicknesses. Maybe nobody knows your sickness. Only you. And of course God. And the Bible says that Jesus knew this man and he also knew that he's been there. I'm not sure if he's been there for 38 years, but he's been sick for 38 years. And we don't know how long. Uh, he's been trying to be healed and coming to this place every day, every day, staying there as long as he could. Then he may have went to his home if he could. If he was a, he had a home, we don't know. Then he came back again. Maybe he was begging for some food, staying there day and night, just to be sure that his last chance is coming. And besides all these things, there was a Sabbath day. This man may have thought that, well, when it comes to healing and keeping the Sabbath, might not go together. As was in the hearts and minds of some Jews, they said, why do you do these things? Why do you carry your bed on the Sabbath? 
It's something unlawful to do. Was Jesus breaking the Sabbath because he healed that man? Well, timing is very important. It is never late. And Ellen White is saying on Desire, in Desire for Ages, page 201, he, meaning Jesus, saw the wretched sufferers watching for that which they supposed to be their only chance of cure. Only chance of cure. Jesus saw him. This is lesson number two. Lesson number one is timing. Number two is knowledge. Jesus saw him and knew his condition. And there is an interesting Bible verse in the Old Testament in Psalms 139 and verse 16. Psalm 139 and verse 16. David says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Your eyes, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. That's the early stage of the fetus. Not even called fetus. No human forms. Still a living thing. And David is saying that your eyes saw me even when I was still unformed. How much more does God see our formed life, including all our joys and our sorrows and our happy days and our sorrowful bad days. So the knowledge of Jesus would not prevent him from healing us. Timing is very important. 38 years, been sick, And he was thinking, this is, maybe this is, this day is my last chance to be healed. Jesus knew that he's been there for 38 years. Lesson number three is the willingness to heal him. What do you think um, of this question? Do you want to be made well? What was this question about? You may say this was not an appropriate question. Because it was obvious that he wanted to be healed. This is why he was there. He was waiting for the stirring up of the water and for some kind of miracle. And of course, his last chance to step in first. But it did not happen. It has never happened and the water was not not stirred. So why did Jesus ask him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Is healing dependent on our will? Is forgiveness is dependent on our will or God's will? Well, it's interesting that this man was, was there and he responded to Jesus. <clears throat> he said, Sir, <clears throat> I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up. 
So there was the willingness of Jesus and there was no willingness on the side of other people. And this is lesson number four, the problem of loneliness. Well, Jesus did not promise anything. Jesus did not touch this man, did not pray for him. Jesus did not promise anything. And Ellen White says on page 203 in Desire of Ages, Jesus had given him no assurance of divine help. The man might have stopped to doubt and lost his one chance of healing. The only chance, the one chance, the last chance. But he believed Christ's word and in acting upon it, he received strength. And then she's adding one more sentence. Through the same faith, we may receive spiritual healing. And that's what we need. Just based on the word of Jesus. Sometimes we have a miracle expecting faith. We wait for something miraculous to happen, to take place. And it was in the mind of this man. He was waiting for the water to be stirred up. And in his eyes, in his mind, he may have seen or at least imagine an angel coming down. But it did not happen that way. But a caring, compassionate face bent over him. And Jesus asked him, Do you really still want to be made well? The man didn't say yes. Think about that. Jesus did not touch him, did not pray for him. And the man did not say, yes, Lord, I want to be healed. But he was still complaining. I have nobody. So why are you asking this question? I have nobody here. I am in a crowd but alone. I have no friends. I am lonely. Can God heal a lonely person? Even if there is nobody to help, Jesus was still willing. And he said, and this was the healing moment, he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And I think it may have crossed in the mind of this man that this is Sabbath. And so this stranger, he didn't know who, who he was. He didn't know it was Jesus. He probably had never seen Jesus. And he had a, a feeling that is it something coming from God? Does God want me to be healed? Rise, take up my bed, my blanket, my mattress, and walk and carry those things on the Sabbath? And he, he may have thought, I will not do it because I don't want to break the Sabbath. And as we know later on, that was exactly, he was kind of accused of because they said, you're doing something wrong on the Sabbath. But for God, it doesn't really matter if he wants to heal us or forgive our sins if that happens on a Sabbath. He would not limit his power. 
So Jesus said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And so this man, by faith, by his will, accepted the healing power of God. And this is amazing because in Steps to Christ, I found a very interesting sentence uh, on page 33. Ellen White says, what you need to understand is the true force of the will. This is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or of choice. Everything depends on the right action of the will. So loneliness should not prevent this man from exercising his power, his will. And it amazes me that God created humans and maybe other beings, probably other beings as well as angels, with this very special divine gift. Free will. Which means I am free to say yes, and I am free to say no. Even if I don't say it, it could happen in my mind. And Jesus read the mind of this man because he didn't say yes. He didn't say yes to Jesus. He didn't say that I I love you and I see something on your face which is promising. And you had a beautiful prayer for me. So I believe that you can heal me. Nothing of that kind happened. And this man did not know that it was Jesus. This is the most surprising part of the story. He probably sensed something. He saw something in the face of Jesus. And of course, there were thoughts in his mind. This is the Sabbath day. I, I, I'm hesitant to do what he's asking for. But I believe his will was strong enough. And after 38 years, he could still exercise his free will. And this is a power, a governing power, based on Ellen White's statement. They would decide, can decide, in that moment, everything... And gave him his only and last chance. Are we there to help one another to give the other person a last chance? Because Jesus is willing to do that. And it seems that it took only a second. Just a second. He looked up. He saw something on the face of Jesus that gave him encouragement. And although he was all alone in the crowd, he had no friends, nobody, no family who would help him. In his mind, within a few seconds, he understood that it is not the water. It's not the angel. Is not touching something which is holy, but it is the word of God that would make a difference. So this man, by faith, by his will, could grab the word of Jesus. And it became reality for him. And this is amazing, isn't it? And there were others who were accusing him, you are doing something wrong. 
When they discovered that it was Jesus who performed this miracle, this healing, then they wanted to kill him. They decided to kill him on the Sabbath for what he did on the Sabbath. Now this is communion service. I think we all need healing. We all need forgiveness. And as we understand, it comes together. See no more, because your situation could be worse. Healing would bring him forgiveness, or forgiveness could bring you healing. And I'd like to close with a Bible verse from Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 and then verse 13. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Just to put everything in places. Because um, sometimes we misunderstand a sentence But this is, it's amazing. Philippians 2 verse 13. It says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So when it comes to our own will, who is working in us? Because we can misunderstand the, the, misunderstand the whole story by saying that this is my will, this is my power, this is, is all depends on me. Apostle Paul is warning us, saying that although we exercise our will and we, we normally do something after we decided to will or to, to, act on something, we have to really act, we have to do it, but God is working within us, working through this whole process of willing and doing. So when it comes to forgiveness, it depends on our will. When it comes to healing, it depends on our will. But God is working, miraculously working in us to will the good. Sometimes we don't even understand that this is good for me, good for us. But he is the one who is working with our will then he would prompt us to act. So it took a a miracle? Or it took a decision? It took a second? After 38 years? Just to be made whole? Made well? God is merciful. And we need to see his mercy in his, this story. He could have chosen another sick person. But Jesus knew this man has been there for a long time. He's been struggling for years, decades, Almost losing hope. And sometimes we have the question, how much can we bear? Can we carry this burden any longer? Jesus knew it was his last chance. And it was the chance of Jesus to say, rise, pick up your rags, your mattress, your blanket, 
Don't think about the traditions of the fathers. What you should carry or what you should not carry. Be happy. And I think he was so happy that he was jumping up and down. I can imagine that. And his first goal was to go to the temple. To show himself that, look, I am healed. Although he did not even know who he was, who the healer was. But it didn't matter. And Jesus did the follow-up work. And this is amazing. That's what sometimes we miss. The follow-up. In a big crowd, Jesus was looking for this man. And he found him in the temple. Probably the temple court. And uh, told him that this is something of a question of forgiveness, not simply healing. You needed forgiveness. Do you need forgiveness? I think we all do. Do we need healing? I think we all do. And this early afternoon is for our healing, is for our forgiveness. My prayer and my wish is that God would be present when we take the emblems. And it would really give us healing. The service would us forgiveness. And that's my prayer. May God bless all of us. At this point, I'd like to invite all the deacons and the deaconesses to come forward and sit in the first row. First Corinthians 23 and 24. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, and this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Shall we kneel as far as possible and have prayer? Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Father, we ask your blessing upon this bread that represents so much how much Jesus did for us, the sufferings, how much he loved us, how much, Father, that you loved us, love us, for giving your son to be a sacrifice. We thank you, so much for all the promises that follow this, for our future of eternity and all the wonderful things that come with it. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For the wine, I'm reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, and verses 27 and 28. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus gave thanks for the wine. And we are going to do the same thing. We are all kneel, and I invite you to kneel with us as far as possible and pray for the wine. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the love, the self-sacrifice, the suffering the torture in the death of Jesus, including shedding his blood, losing all his strength, and in his body carrying all the sins of this world. And finally, the separation between the two, the Father and the Son, and his question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken in order to save us. He did not come down from the cross and he did not save himself. He wanted to save us. And as we think about the blood of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, to help us to take this cup as a reminder of the price Jesus paid for our, for our salvation and for the forgiveness of our sins. And from the story of this man who has been sick for 38 years, we just had to learn, and we have still have been learning the real power of the will. When it is combined with your will, then this is something of a victory over sin, victory over any kind of sickness or any kind of infirmity. So, Lord, we ask for your healing touch now. We ask for forgiveness, for healing, and we want to thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Jesus said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins.
I'm reading the priestly blessing from number 7 and verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.